Bibles to Matthew chapter 9. And we'll begin the reading in verse 35. This is God's holy word. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. That sends the reading of God's holy word. Let's pray. Our God and Father, we ask humbly that you would send your spirit to be among us. We ask that our eyes would be open. And we ask that you would change us. Make us more like our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grant us a heart that is according to your heart and that we would be a people in tune with your will for your glory, for the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray, amen. Brethren, much suffering in this world, in our lives, is because our dreams are dashed to pieces. Our hopes for tomorrow are cut short. We have pain in suffering, pain in the loss of loved ones, pain in broken relationships, pain in dreams that do not, no longer exist and have not been realized. We have severe pain and suffering and misery in our own hearts. And why is that? It's because we ask ourselves, is there anyone who really understands me? Is there anyone who really understands my suffering? Is there anyone who really has compassion for me? And sadly, few men really have compassion for us. And the reality is, is that our suffering is alone, is lonely, and there's no one who has compassion for us. But I'm here to declare to you this evening that there is one who understands your suffering. There is one who has compassion for you, one who understands everything, even the things that you don't understand. He has it all worked out, and that is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He is a compassionate and true shepherd compassionate Savior, and He will be with you and have compassion on your suffering even to the end of the age. And so this evening in our passage, we want to see that Jesus is the true and compassionate shepherd who provides the true remedy for the problem of His sheep. The first thing we see is that Jesus is a compassionate shepherd. 
The second thing we'll see this evening is that Jesus understands the problem of his sheep. Finally, we want to see that Jesus provides the remedy for his sheep. Jesus provides the remedy for his sheep. Brethren, the first thing we see is that Jesus is a compassionate Savior. We see this first and foremost in his ministry, in his proper ministry, as we read in the very beginning in verse 35, for example. We're told that he went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. And then note this, healing every disease and every affliction. Jesus was in touch with misery, the misery of man, throughout his entire ministry. And I don't think we can say that he healed every disease and every affliction, being aloof to their suffering and not being touched by their suffering. So Jesus was very much a compassionate shepherd who lived amongst and in touch with the misery of man and even with our misery today. And so we see this in his proper ministry. We see that he's in the presence of the people. He had compassion for them. But why did he have compassion for them? He had compassion for them because they were harassed. They were helpless. They were like sheep without a shepherd. And so Jesus is moved with compassion. And the idea here of compassion is to have sympathy, to understand the problem. It is a strong feeling. Um, The best example, illustration that I saw is, suppose your child is in the street, they fell down, and a truck's coming, racing along. And what do you do? Do you just stand aloof? Or do you yell, get out of the street, get up, go. You're moved, you have compassion. And you're moved to action. And that is the idea of this compassion that Jesus had. He was strongly moved within his being for the suffering of man. And so this is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He saw that they were harassed. They were helpless. They were like sheep without a shepherd. These were God's people. And they were, it says they were harassed. We read from uh, Ezekiel 34, we read of the false shepherds who abused the sheep, who did not feed them, who do not feed them, who instead sought their own desires. And so our Lord in Jesus Christ comes to declare himself to be the true shepherd in contrast to the false shepherds that we know of from Ezekiel, for example. Jesus in John 10 says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. And so Jesus comes to declare himself in contrast to those false shepherds as the true shepherd. He has a true heart for the sheep to teach them understanding and knowledge. And we see that Jesus is this in his character because he is, Jesus is very God of very God. We read from Joel 2.13, rend your hearts, not your garments. Return to the Lord your God for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and he relents over disaster. But also Jesus is a true man. He is very well known, or very, excuse me, very man of very man. He is a true man 
He has feelings. He is, he's a true man in every sense. He's not a stoic. He's not aloof to our suffering. He's not untouched by the suffering and misery that he saw as he ministered. Our Lord Jesus was very much touched by human suffering and what he saw. So, so Jesus is very much compassionate because he is a true God in, a, in the nature of God. He is compassionate. He is full of mercy and loving kindness. He cannot change. He does not change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He is true God and he is a true man. Hebrews 4.15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. And so Jesus is a compassionate shepherd. But not only is he a compassionate shepherd, Jesus understands the problem of his sheep. Now, what is the problem of the sheep? It says here that the problem is this, that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. The numbers just don't add up. And so we see here, he says, the harvest is plentiful. What is the harvest? See, the harvest is all of God's elect, Jew, Gentile. And it's big. It's big. The harvest is big. It says it's plentiful even as the descendants of Abraham. So as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand in the sea. In Psalm 2.8 we read, Ask of me and I will make the nations your, inherit, your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. And so those to whom Jesus is ministering, primarily the Jews, but then also the Gentiles and those who are yet to come in to the kingdom. So this harvest is very big. But the problem is, is that there are few laborers to go forth and to bring in the harvest. Very few. And so the laborers, like I mentioned, are very few. Who are these laborers? These laborers, I would say that in our context originally are the apostles as we see in the context in chapter 10, verse 1. But by extension, there are those in the church who are called to preach God's word and to minister to God's flock as elders, whether it be teaching elders or ruling elders, using the terms that we use in the PCA. And so, by the grace that was given to each one, Ephesians 4 says, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. And he ascended, in saying he ascended, what does it mean? But that he had also descended into lower regions of the earth. He who descended into, he who sent, descended is one who also ascended far above the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain the unity of the faith, of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So when he says here, equip the saints, we can also think of the sheep, God's sheep. Romans 10.1 says, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? 
And how are, we to, how are they to believe on him whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And so there are few who are actually available to go and to labor, to minister to the flock of God. There are few, even though the number is numerous. And this is a problem. This is a problem that Jesus understands. And brethren, as we look out in America, for example, and we see that there are many, many who are on their own who do not have a church, or we see many who go to churches that are fed, where they're fed um, poison in doctrine. They're not fed knowledge of God. And so our hearts yearn for this. We have compassion for them because they are sheep without a shepherd. They are wandering to and fro, with every, and they are tossed about to and fro with every wind of doctrine. And so our hearts yearn. We see this in missions field. We see many, many who do not have any desire for Christ. Many who go into churches where they're not told about the Lord Jesus Christ and His fullness and sufficiency. And so our hearts yearn because there are many with religion, but few with Christ. And so what do they need? They need preachers to go to tell them about the Lord Jesus Christ, to proclaim Him, and then to minister every single thing that Christ has taught in His great commandment. In his great commission, according to his great commission. And so there are few men to do that. And so it's a great problem. But Jesus understands. Jesus understands because Jesus wants that his flock are matured, that they grow, they're, they're made more like him, that they grow in holiness. And yet the problem is the means to that end is that God's word needs to be proclaimed and ministered to them. They need to be cared for. And so here in this, in this text, we see that Jesus understands this. And we need, therefore, also to understand that Jesus knows. He knows. But we'll see also not only that Jesus understands this problem, we'll see also that Jesus provides the remedy for his sheep. So what is the remedy? What is the remedy for this great problem? The harvest is great. There's many sheep without a shepherd. But there are few laborers. So what is, the, what is the remedy? The remedy, brethren, is not... He did not say, in order to gather my sheep, begin a music program. Put together a Sunday school program. Uh, begin a discipleship program. As, maybe as necessary as these might be, in certain circumstances, but he did not say this. He said what? He said, ready? He said, pray. Or I'll say for, for Pastor Stevens, y'all pray. And that includes everyone. That includes the whole, sh- the whole um, sheep, all of the sheep, collectively. Because he's, he's talking, he gives that command to his disciples and by inference, that means that all of the church, all of those who are disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, so that means to me and to you. So our Lord Jesus says to us, pray. What does he ask, to, what does he ask us to pray? This idea of prayer is, a, is an imperative. It's a commandment. It's to the whole church. And he says that the Lord of the harvest would send forth laborers into his harvest. 
And so the idea, note here that Jesus is the Lord of his harvest. That the Lord would send labor, that the Lord of the harvest, Jesus, would send labors into his harvest. It's not my harvest. It's not your harvest. It's not even the harvest of this church. It's the harvest of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's his inheritance that the Father has promised him. And so what Jesus is saying, pray that the Lord of the harvest sends forth, thrusts forth workers into this harvest. And the idea here is like a, think of a sickle in hand and you have a crop and you take the sickle back and you need to really give it a good whack to cut, cut the crop so you, you thrust it forth. There's no doubt. It's not like you're putting garden scissors out or little scissors out to cut away. It's a, it's a sickle and you're thrusting it forth. It's determinative. It's forceful. And so we're praying then that this, this prayer, that the Lord of the harvest send forth um, or thrust forth workers into his harvest. So neither he who plants nor he who waters anything, but only God who gives the growth. So who are these workers? These workers, as I mentioned, are first and foremost the apostles, and then all of those um, teaching, ruling elders whom God sends forth through the, through the church and in the context of the church to preach the gospel, to administer his word, to care for the sheep of God. So these are the ones that he sends forth. He sends forth to, to care for those sheep who before were without a shepherd, who were abused, who were fed poison and doctrine, who were told that all is, in, all is peaceful, all is okay, when all was not okay. And so he, it is those whom he sends forth. He sends, who, sent, who feed, who, who he, excuse me, whom he feeds. So God wants to care for them. In Psalm 2.8, the father asks the son, ask of me and I will surely give you the nations as your inheritance and the very ends of the earth as your possession. Here the Son is telling us, the church, ask of me and I will send you to gather my inheritance. What a beautiful thing that the Lord Jesus is asking us, the church, to be those who are active in the work of gathering his inheritance for his glory. And so that's why, brethren, that's why we should not take lightly the prayer meeting of the church. The prayer meeting is the primary time when the church is gathered and when we are asking the Lord to send forth laborers to gather his inheritance, to send forth laborers to the ends of the earth, and to send elders to the churches. So he is going to be a shepherd to his people and minister to them through under-shepherds, whom he alone must call. God must call men. God must equip men. And God alone must send men. And if God calls a man and God will equip that man and he will send them. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? Now, some obey Others disobey, such as Jonah. But in the end, God has his way. God is jealous for his sheep. 
for his own glory. Jesus is jealous is, or zealous for his inheritance. And he will have his way. He will carry out that which he began. And so this is the great problem in the church, but the great remedy that Jesus provides for his sheep. Jesus is going to give men who are according to his heart and men, shepherds, who will feed them. According to like you read this morning, Jeremiah three fifteen, And I will give you shepherds after my own heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. And so Jesus is that true shepherd who provides the real remedy for the problem of his sheep. Children, this is a wonderful promise, wonderful thing, because you can take the globe at home or a map at home, and you can talk to your mommy and daddy, and you can say, Mommy, daddy, here, here, mommy, daddy, let's pray that Jesus send laborers to this country, to that country. And you know what, parents? This is one of those times where you have to obey. Why? Because Jesus commanded it. And what Jesus commands, we all obey together. But this is a wonderful thing because Jesus is inviting us to be involved in the gathering of his harvest. So Jesus is a true and compassionate shepherd who provides the real remedy for the problem of his sheep. He will do it. He's compassionate. He understands the problem. And he will provide the remedy for this problem. But brethren, I also want to say to you, those of you who are suffering, for maybe you're suffering the loss of somebody, maybe you're suffering in, in health, maybe you're suffering someone you know is, has a, a terminal illness or even a, a long-term illness, he understands. He knows. He's not aloof to your suffering. He loves you. He cares for you. And he's going to continue to care for you. And so look to him. Look to him. His love is steadfast. His care for you is faithful. And when you talk to others, brethren, we don't have to have all the answers. I don't have to have all the answers. I don't. What I need to do is point to him who understands, to one who is compassionate, to one who truly understands, and to tell them to put their trust in him. For he alone is the one who provides any true lasting remedy, any true consolation. And we know that there is one who understands, there is one who has sympathy for me, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so let's give him all the glory and the honor. And brethren, let us talk of him. Let us pray. Let us go to the prayer meeting. Let us pray as a family. Let us pray as a church. And let us ask that the Lord of the harvest send forth laborers into his harvest for his glory. Amen. Our God and our Father, we thank you that we have such a Savior in the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, although maybe through words that are stumbling, we ask that in some way you would use the words this evening not only to comfort our hearts, but to give us direction into terms of what you require of us and to how we are partakers 
in this ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ to gather his inheritance. Thank you, and we give all the glory and honor to him. In Christ's name we pray, amen.